what we talked about last week is Christians are kingdom contributors to their world. All right? Christians should not be simply consumers. They should be contributors. Something should be coming out of you. Um, I love the statement, wealth wasn't meant to come to you. Wealth was meant to come out of you. All right? There's nothing more wonderful than when the wealth of God comes out of you to someone else. It's more blessed to give than to receive. All right? So Christians should be kingdom contributors. Um, some who made a commitment to the Lord later in life sometimes burn brighter than those who have lived as Christians their whole lives. That's a shame, but it's the truth, all right? And so if you look at yourself and you think, well, I haven't really lived for the Lord much of my life. I just started recently. Good for you. You can burn brighter than the people who have been around for a longer period of time. You're, you're positioned to be more passionate about Jesus in some ways than others. We also learned uh, that we must commit our efforts and time and emotion to the Lord. The key word is commitment. Commitment in 2020. Commitment, we also learned, is made up of two pieces. What does it mean if I'm committed to a job or committed to my boss or committed to my wife? There's two pieces to that. First of all, I'm faithful. I'm faithful. And the secondly, I'm willing. I'm faithful and I'm willing. And so faithfulness, what does faithfulness mean? Well, we learned faithfulness means, turn it backwards, you're full of faith. Faithfulness means you're full of faith. The Bible tells us that faith without works is dead. Faithful means that you are a person of action to whatever it is that you believe in. You're faithful. Faithfulness also means that you can be relied on. People can trust you. And I want you to ask yourself this question. Can your church trust you? <laughs> can your, this body of believers, can we rely on you because you're faithful or not? It's an important question to be able to answer for yourself. The other piece to commitment, though, remember there's two pieces. Commitment is made up of faithfulness. And secondly is willingness. What is willingness? Willingness is when we say, hey, would you be willing to help out with a nursery once every two months? And your automatic response is yes. Yes, I'm willing. I'm quick. Whatever you need, count me in. Do I like to do that thing? Maybe not, but I, I say yes. All right, we don't want to overcommit, but let me tell you what, most of us are far from overcommitting, so it's not a big deal. All right, say, be willing. Say yes, I'll do it. Count me in has willingness as a connotation of servanthood. We don't like the word servanthood, but the fact of the matter is the richest people in the world are service-oriented. They're service-oriented. So if you want to take God out of the equation and you just want to be a successful person, you'd need to be a servant. Servants make a lot of money in life, all right? So be a servant, not for the reason of making money. Be a servant because it's fulfilling, it's godly, it's fun, it's wonderful to be service-oriented, to be a servant. You're willing, and it's all about a willing person isn't consuming me, me, me. They're contributing you, 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 all right? You know what the worst place in life is where you get into this funk and you can't get out of it is when you're self-centered. 
that's when you can't get out of that pit. But as soon as you start looking around with the power of the Holy Spirit, you start looking around at others' needs, all of a sudden you rise right out of that pit and you can move forward once again. All right? And so uh, we can't be consumers. We need to be contributors, flowing. God has good things in your life for you to give to others. You say, well, I've only been hurt in life. My life has been a complete failure. God uses the lessons that you learn through your failures to help others not make the same mistakes. So in essence, yes, you have something good in you. You have some bad experiences that you've learned from and you can share with others. That's, that's on the low end of the spectrum. The reality is you have a lot more than just that. You have a lot of good things in your life that you can contribute that God has placed in you. We also learned, this is an interesting one, and I want it to really sink in. You can't be fully committed to God without being fully committed to his body. And I didn't believe that for the longest time. I thought, I can be committed to God, and even though I went to church, I kept my distance, and I just did my own thing, and <laughs> God said, no. If you're in with me, you're in with my body. You're in with a church, okay? This is a body of believers. This is a church. And uh, we saw in 2 Corinthians 8, 5, it said, They exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first to the Lord, but then by the will of God also to us. So when you give your heart to the Lord, you're giving your heart to people. <laughs> it's it's kind of scary if you think about it because then your emotions are on the line, your time is on the line, uh, your, mon your money might be on the line. There's all these things that all of a sudden you got to lay out there and it just might get stepped on, it might get kicked, it might get ignored, you might get your feelings hurt. You know what? When God's on your side, all of that stuff just doesn't matter anymore. You, it's not about you, it's about people. We read in Matthew 22, 37 through 40, it says, Jesus said, you know, the greatest command is love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. He said this is the first and second greatest commandment, but second to that, second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So if you commit your heart to God, you say, God, I give you my heart. At the same breath, you're saying, God, I give my heart to the body of believers that I'm a part of. And that's something that we don't hear too much, you know, but it's the truth. All right, so an example of that, as we learned, is what if this is, this is how silly Christians are, how silly I was or tended to be, is if I get a job and I say to my boss, I'm committed to you, but I'm not committed to this company. Well, he'd laugh in your face. She'd laugh at your, in your face. You'd say, I'm committed to you, but I'm not going to show up to work. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. Or that's like me saying to my wife, I'm committed to you, but I'm not committed to these little kids that you, you, know, you gave me. All right, I'm just committed to you. That's, that's how silly it is to say, I'm committed to God, but I'm not committed to his church. Imperfect as it may be, all right? If I were to ask you how many of you have been hurt in church, I guarantee every single one of us would raise our hand. That's not the point. The point is I'm committed to God. I'm committed to his body. All right, and uh, <clears throat> so God is calling us in 2020, and I, this is after prayer and really seeking the Lord, God is, is asking us to make a higher commitment in 2020 to him. He's saying, I want you to come a little closer. I want you to go a little deeper. I want you to commit a little bit more to me. And specifically, of your emotions, your time, and, and your efforts, give them to God. And so I asked you, I handed out that little sheet. I want you to write it down. It's not to be turned in. It's between you and the Lord. All right? This is private. 
write down your commitments. Uh, I'm going to try to find some little Bible bookmarks that you can write in permanent ink, stick it in your Bible, and it'll be in front of your face all year long. And then I'm going to see, if you're willing to tell me what it is just personally, maybe on a text, on a phone call, or your church, what is yours? I've already asked a couple of you, and I've got a little spreadsheet. I've got your name. I've got your commitment. And I'm going to pray every week for you, every week in 2020, that you would fulfill your commitment to the Lord. We're going to see growth this year, growth. Who cares numbers growth? I'm talking about spiritual growth. We're going to see it this year. We're going to see it. All right, so uh, now kicking into this Sunday, listen to this verse. And it's on your sheet, your, your reading sheet. Psalm 7611 reads this way. It says, Make vows to the Lord your God and fulfill them. <laughs> make vows. Make a commitment to the Lord and fulfill it. Get focused on what you want to do for God. And the fact of the matter is God placed that in your heart. You wouldn't have written it down if he hadn't already been working on you. Write that down and say, I'm going to do that this year. I don't know. Some, some of you might say, I read, you know, three times a week. I read the Bible three times a week. My commitment is to read the Bible five times a week. Or my commitment is I'm not going to just go to church on Sundays. I'm going to start going to our discipleship group on Wednesdays because I want to grow spiritually. Or your commitment might be, you know what, I have a neighbor who's in need. I'm going to start watching out for them, praying for them, talking to them, helping them. I don't know what your commitment is. That's the neat thing. You get to make your own commitment. But the Bible says, make vows to the Lord and fulfill them. Now it's up to us to see with God's help that we get that thing done. Now listen to this in Matthew 16, 18, uh, a verse that I'm sure we've heard before. Jesus says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Jesus is into building things. Jesus is into rebuilding lives. Jesus is into building marriages or rebuilding marriages. Jesus is into building uh, parent parental relationships back with children. Uh, maybe they're already grown. Jesus is into building things. Therefore, we should be into building things as well. We need to be about the master's business of building his kingdom here on earth. Not a visible kingdom. Uh, we sure don't want a pretty church. I mean, it's nice to have a nice church building, but we're not into all of that stuff. We want to build things that are lasting. People's lives are lasting. People's souls are lasting. We want to be built up in our most holy faith. In 1 Peter 2.5, it says, and you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. God wants to build your life. And, and not just spiritually. He wants to build your life personally. You might have a little problem with laziness. God wants to teach you how not to be a lazy person. He wants to get into the nitty-gritty of your life. You might be a dreamer, and he says, I want to bring your feet back on the ground and stop dreaming so much and live in the real world. Or you might be ultra-practical with your feet on the ground all the time, and God says, I want you to dream a little bit more and get, loosen up a little bit more. I don't know what it is. God wants to work in you personally, not just spiritually. 
I even believe God wants to per work in you professionally. That's why it's important to, if you can go to college or some tech school or do something to improve yourself, do it. Never stop learning. Always be growing personally, professionally, but most of all spiritually. And so Jesus is about building. He says, I will build my church. And then he points at his disciples. He says, you are like living stones. Actually, Jesus didn't point at his disciples. It was written by Peter. But Peter says, you are like living stones, and I'm using you to build the temple of God. The Bible says we're the temple, our bodies are the temple, but it also says that we together collectively are the temple of God. What's the temple of God? A place where Jesus can live here on earth, right at his presence, right here amongst us. So whenever I think of Jesus living in me, it gives me such peace, such joy, such relief, man. It's not that Jesus is with me. He is in me, thank heavens. You know how he got inside of me? I opened my heart up and I said, Jesus, please come in. And did I do that one time? No, I did it a million times. I invite him in all the time. Keep coming in, Jesus, because sometimes I'll boot him out. <laughs> and I'll say, no, I've got this covered, and it falls apart, and then I have to invite him back in again. So here's the question for today. Are you a church goer, or are you a church builder? Ask yourself that question. Are you simply a church goer, or are you a church builder? Because Jesus is all about building, and we're talking about commitments here in 2020. Let's be committed to building the church. Get involved in building the kingdom of heaven here on earth. And if you come just on Sundays, and that's all you do, let me, I'm not trying to step on anybody's toes, you're not building the kingdom of heaven. That's not building it. And it's not about coming four times a week. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm saying if you're coming and that's your only interaction with the Lord, and then you go about your business the other six days of the week, six and a half days of the week, that's not doing anything. God wants you to build his kingdom. Build his kingdom. That's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Start over again. It's a lifestyle of building the kingdom of heaven. That's why we have to read our Bibles. That's why we need to pray. And there's no have to. You read your Bible because you want to. Try that sheet. If you don't read your Bible, try that sheet. This week, come on Wednesday night and see if you don't just love the Bible. Absolutely love. It's medicine for the mind, as my mom says. Medicine for your mind. You have struggles up here, read the Bible, and your mental struggles will lessen, and finally you gain control over your thoughts again. I've, pers I've, I've experienced it personally, and I know that we throughout this group here have experienced it as well. The Bible is medicine to the mind. It's empowering to the soul. It gives you positivity to be able to go out and do the things that you need to do. Read the Bible. All right. So anyways, we're about building the kingdom of heaven, building Jesus's church here on earth. And so I want to give you two, two pictures of that. Literal. They're like pictures, word pictures. But the first one is in Acts 2, verses 42 through 47. And it's part of our reading as well as you would expect. All right, Acts 2, verse 42. If you don't know how to find it, your Bible has an index in the front. Go to Acts and find chapter verse 30, 42 or nudge somebody in the side and they'll show you where it is. All right, let me read it to you though. It says, they, who's they? Well, the new believers, the people who had 
just come to know Jesus and they were gathered together just as we are, they devoted themselves to four things. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Well, in our day and age, they devoted themselves to the biblical teaching, what the Bible teaches, and to fellowship, all right? We're building the church here. How do we do it? We devote ourselves to the teachings of the Bible, the life-giving teachings of the Bible, and practicing those, and to fellowship. So let me pause here and just tell you what, what, what fellowship means. Fellowship means partnership, partner. So I, we partner with each other. We call each other. If somebody's stumbling, we pick each other up. If somebody doesn't come to church, we call them. We find out if they're okay. We, we help each other. We're partners. It means contributory help. So at times, if a faithful person is struggling financially, well, we help each other that way. Now, we don't want to enable people. So the Bible says, uh, you know, if Paul said this, if you don't work, you don't eat, all right? So he's pretty hardcore about it, all right? We need to contribute for ourselves, but if somebody's down on their luck and they're having a tough time, we need to pitch in and help. Get them back up on their feet again, right? And so um, but, uh, contributory help, um, sharing in, all right, helping each other again. And there's a, a word that really to me is almost nauseating now because big churches say this word and they don't even know what they're talking about, in my opinion. It's community, all right? We need community in our church. Well, we do need community. We are a community. But the definition of community is it's a family. We're, we're one. You know, we care about each other. We love each other. If somebody's missing, we've got to call them up and find out what's wrong. It also means it's the stuff that happens outside of these four walls. That's what fellowship is. We'll fellowship before and after church, but what happens during the week is what's really important. Is, is going and visiting each other and, and keeping tabs on each other and enjoying each other's company. I'll give you an example. Kyle, my son, um, pulled together a couple of guys, and, and not all of them, in fact, very few of them actually come to this church, but he pulled them together, and they went hiking. Well, you can have fellowship doing fun things that you enjoy doing, all right? And so we need to do that, that same thing. We need to fellowship, all right? Um, so, uh, in fact, in 1 John 1, 7, it says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son purifies us from all sin. So it says, if I have fellowship with God, I have fellowship with people. That's, that's just totally to be expected. We go on, though, in Acts 2, 42, it says, What else do they do? They devoted themselves to apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, all right, eating in one another's homes, but it also refers to the Lord's communion, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs that the apostles performed, all right? That means miracles happens. That means answered prayers took place. We're seeing that. We're seeing answered prayers, many signs and wonders. Are people hopping out of their wheelchairs in, in services? No, but we're seeing progressive healings of minds, of bodies, of financial situations, of, of broken dreams being put back together again. God has answered. We're seeing signs and wonders. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Now, let me point out this in verse 45. This, 
this, uh, if you read the whole New Testament, you realize it wasn't anyone. The, the church is not to be the social welfare of the world. It just is not. Absolutely, positively not. Are we to help people? Absolutely. Can we meet every single person's need out there? No, we can't. This everyone is referring to the needs of those who are part of the fellowship of believers. And as you read more in Acts, you realize that's the truth. That the Apostle Paul would tell, hey, for younger widows, we can't support them. But for the older widows who have, you know, he says, washed the feet of the saints, have done this in the church, have been involved, those are the people that you take care of. And the Apostle Paul made it very clear, people need to take care of themselves. Families need to take care of families. But for the person who has nobody, and they've been godly, you give and give and support and take care of that person. This is very, very clear in the Bible. So that's what it's referring to there is they sold they, everybody that had a need. Verse 46, every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. Well, that's what we're doing. We're meeting together, the gathering of believers. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Man, that's what I want. I want to see people saved. You know who's going to get people saved? You are. <laughs> you are. You reach people for, for the Lord. Reach them. Tell them about Jesus. Let your light, light shine out of your life. Your hope shine into other people's lives and bring them to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Are you going to have success every time? No, but you're planting a seed and that seed is going to pop up at the right time. It's going to grow into something wonderful at the right time. And so shine your light that people will realize who Jesus is. So these things happen. This is kind of what the church looked like because they devoted themselves. They made a commitment. We need to be willing to make a commitment to the Lord. Keep, make a vow to the Lord and keep it. So are we church goers or are we church builders? I'm telling you what, this is an outpost. We're not looking to be some fancy, cutesy church with all the programs and nice music. I love all those, those things are fine. There's nothing wrong with them. We're looking for reach to reach people for, the, for Jesus. That's what we're trying to do. And our way of doing it might look totally different from any other church, and that's fine. We want to reach people for Jesus. We're an outpost. All right, so the other, the other scripture that provides a picture, a word picture, of what church building looks like is in 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 12. And the Apostle Paul writes this. He writes it uh, with this, again, this kind of picture of the body. And he says, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. That's why we talk about the body of believers, the gathering of believers, we're one body with many parts. And it goes on to explain this. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, all right, whether Hispanics, whether Asians, whether Caucasians, whether Afro-Americans. No, you name it. I pray that we have such a diverse, and we do, have such a diverse cross-section of ages and ethnicities Diversity strengthens us. It's the most important thing in the world, I believe. 
I came from Spain and came back to the States to Dallas, Texas, and here's the Asian section of Dallas and the Afro-American section and this. Like, what is up with this, people? I, I literally, I can't understand, um, what do you call it? Um, huh? Segregation or discrimination. I can't, I don't understand that. I just do not get it. We want that. That brings such strength and such wonder to have uh, this, this diversity. So here the, he says it. There's Jews. There's Gentiles. There's slaves. There's free. All right. There's people who are literally slaves coming to church with people who are free. There's the affluent versus the poor, the, the folks that didn't have quite as much. Praise God. All coming together. We're all given one spirit to drink, which I find an interesting kind of picture there even so the body is not made up of one part but of many and so are we now it goes on to explain now if the foot of of a body should say because i'm not a hand i do not belong to the body it would not for that reason stop being part of the body now what this is talking about and he gives another example of the ear and uh the eye okay you know what this is talking about is looking at someone else and wanting to be them. It's saying, I wish I were them. I wish I had their gifts. I wish I had their talents. I wish I had their looks. I wish I had their life. And God's saying, stop doing that. Stop doing that and be who I've created you to be. And because of who you are, you can do things that nobody else does. And so don't let the devil come into your mind and say, oh, you're not like so-and-so, therefore you're not part of the body. Don't let that happen. Refuse that lie and say, no, I am who God created. I'm nobility. I'm a holy priesthood, and God has a plan for my life, and I'm going to shine for Jesus through my giftings. I'm going to shine for Jesus. So that's what that scripture is saying there. Then in verse 17, it says, if the whole body were an eye, what would, this, would, would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body was an ear, what would the sense of smell be? So stop comparing yourself to others and be who God has called you to be. You have gifts and talents that nobody else has. They did the study of you know, how unique everybody is. You are one in 33 million people. One in every 33 million people is like you. That means there's not too many people like you. So for crying out loud, be used in the way that God wants you to be used and stop comparing yourself to others. In verse 18 it says, But in fact, God placed the parts of the body, that's us, we're all unique and different, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. See, he's sovereign, and he's piecing us together. It's not me doing this, it's not you. God's piecing us together and putting us as a beautiful puzzle that looks so different from anything else you've ever seen. That's how God works. And so he predestines our purpose. God has plans for you. God has plans for you. So stop thinking that you're purposeless uh, and, and without you're a ship without a rudder. God has plans for you. He knows the plans. I've told God this. As long as you know your plans for me, I'm fine. I don't even know, have to know what they are. God knows his plans for me, plans to prosper me, not to harm me, plans for a wonderful future, to be hopeful, bright future. Tomorrow is going to be a better day for you. 
You need to start thinking that. Tomorrow is going to be a better day for you. Let me tell you what, the sky is the limit for you, according to God. So stop thinking you're limited, or you got a glass ceiling, or whatever. All this, this stuff about, you know, women not having as much opportunity. If I, you know what I would say if I was a woman? A woman? <laughs> you know, if, here's truly what I would say if I was a woman. I heard all of that. I would say, you know what, there's things, and this is the truth, there's things that women are far better at than men. So why should I limit myself by trying to get up to the level of man? I've already surpassed man in many cases. All right? On the, on the flip side, there's things that men are better at than women. So why don't we bring the two together <laughs> and have a match made in heaven of a huge success story? So the diversity, again, of men and women, ethnicities, what have you, that's the way God created us to be. Praise God. And so... Um, we go on, it says, if they were all one part, where would the body be as it is? There's many parts, one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or the head, to the feet, I don't need you. Can you imagine the head saying, I don't need the feet? Well, that'd be an idiot head, right? It just doesn't make any sense. We need to be accepting of each other and seeing how. And, and that's, here's another diversity is personalities. There's driving personalities. And then there's really super nice, relaxed personalities. And then there's, you know, uh, what do you call it, uh, real analytical personality. they got to analyze everything before they make a decision. And then there's people that go by the gut. They have to do this. I think this is the right thing to do. You know what? We need all of those personalities in the body of Christ. All right? Right? So the, the guy that goes from the gut, Versus the analysts, they need to come together and make good decisions together. And so um, we need each other. We desperately need, and not just need, but appreciate and admire one another. Appreciate at the giftedness that God has given each one of us and just be amazed by it. Verse 22, it's, we're almost done, don't worry. On the contrary, these parts of the body that seem to be weaker, listen to this, and and meditate on this this week the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable that i've been in churches where youth youth is adored and promoted and the elderly is something that's ah, they're done with <laughs> you know the youth are our future you know what? If we don't listen to the wisdom of those who have lived their lives, where are we going to be at? All right? So someone might come in and say, oh, the, the elderly are, and I'm not, I don't believe this, so please don't think that I'm saying this. The elderly are the weak. No, they're indispensable. So there's an example where human rationale might say something's weaker. We realize the power, the the indispensable nature of that. So just as an example, in verse 23, then again, the parts that we think are less honorable should be treated with special honor. And I'm not going to give any examples there because if I do, somebody will think I'm talking bad about this, that, or the other. I'm, but think about those examples where we, you, we're, we're like, you know, there's less honor to this. This is just not that important. You know what? That's of high honor. And I will give an example. You know, doing nursery may not seem like the most honorable thing in the world. It is of something of very high honor. 
And I want you to know how much time this church spends, especially with Willie May, of figuring that out, of making sure that even though we have one, two, or three babies back there, we've got it scheduled. It's, it's, that, that's a huge honor to do that once every two months. Huge honor. And it's a huge blessing. And therefore, we need to treat it with special honor. So there is, there's a perfect example of that. The parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. All right? I'll never forget. <laughs> this is funny. I won't say any names. I won't even tell the church. I don't think it's anybody that most anybody knows here. But I used to go to a different church, and there was a, a man there who was um, he's crazy. Literally. But he loved to greet people. And so there's your first impression of the church is somebody who's, he just, he wasn't there. And so we had to be careful with that and treat with special modesty because people might get the wrong impression. He was tended to be, you know, there's no space bubble, you know, all of that didn't work very well. And so we had to treat that with special modesty. Did we love that man? Absolutely. That guy had a heart for the Lord. And so we loved him, but we treated that situation with special modesty. In verse 24, while our presentable parts need no special treatment, and this is so important, who do churches boost and present and glorify? Well, it's their, their orator, their pastor, you know, and now the reverend, blah, 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 come up, and he's treated with special. The Bible says those people need no special treatment. Isn't that wonderful how God orders everything just right and says, here's where the special treatment. If you give so much as a glass of water to one of the least of these, you've given it to me. That's how the Bible reads. That's different from how human, human you know, we, we tend to, to deal with things. But God has put the body together, praise the Lord, giving great honor to the parts that lack it so that there should be no division in the body tell you what i saw some division a while back here went right to the person talked about it and the division stopped we don't tolerate division in this church we're just not going to put up with it we we're one body we work together we work in unity and we just God doesn't put up with division. We don't put up with division. We aren't always going to agree with each other, so we agree maybe to disagree unless the problem's a significant issue. Then you, you obviously have to do the right thing. But the parts, um, that, um, let's see, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. Not equal concern for ourselves, equal concern for each other. Three more minutes, I promise we're done. If one part suffers, every part suffers. Did you hear that? That's why we pray for Brother Dennis. He's suffering. We're praying for him. Jesse has been appointed, I believe, by the Lord to stand beside him and others. Man, praise God. Isn't that cool how God does that? He brings the right people beside us to help us, to encourage us. In verse 27, it says, now you are the body of Christ. We're not churchgoers, we're church builders. You are the body of Christ. Each one of you is part of it. Praise God. Isn't it good to feel like you're part of something? Isn't it wonderful? You're not, you're not an outcast. You're not lost. You're a part of something big. God is placed in the church, first of all, listen to this, in order, not of honor, 
but it's, it's ordered for some reason. This is interesting. First of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and then it goes into other things. And let me just mention what each of these are, more or less. Have you ever been to a church where they say, um, this is so-and-so prophetess, blah, 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 or now we have apostle, blah, blah, blah. Let me tell you what, in the kingdom of heaven, we don't need titles. You don't need titles. I find as soon as you go to a church where there's titles, not too many good things are probably going to end up going on in that church. We don't need that. So these designations, I believe, are just God. They're giftings is what they are. They're just giftings. And an apostle essentially is a special messenger from the Lord, but in particular is a leader, is a spiritual leader. They stand up, and they're somewhat of a spiritual entrepreneur. They go out, and they'll go start churches. That's what the apostle Paul did. He just went and started churches. Boom, 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 started churches. Went into communities, went into cities where there was nothing, and he would start something, all right? That's what an apostle is. They come with a bundle of power and authority. They've been through the fire. They've been tested and true, and now God's prepared to use them, all right? took years and years before the Apostle Paul was launched into ministry. God believes in late bloomers. How many late bloomers do you have, all right? I started when I was 48. That's a late bloomer, all right? So God can use you at any point in your time. And he's grooming you. He's preparing you. He's getting you ready. That's an apostle. Prophets are simply people who hear God's message for today, and they're able to communicate it. Prophets. Prophets. They hear from God, and they tell you. Let me tell you, we've got some prophets in here. God's, God's getting you ready, all right, to do what God has for you to do, his plans for you. Then there's teachers, those who can explain the truths of the Bible so that it's understandable for people, so they get it. What's, you know, the, 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 the gospel is called a mystery. It's a mystery. How many times have we opened the Bible and said, I have no idea what I just read? I have no idea what I just read, all right? Well, you know what? A teacher hopefully enlightens us so that we can begin to understand what the truth of God is. That's a teacher. But then it goes on, and it says then there's miracles or miracle workers. There's those with a gift of healing, the gift of helps, the gift of guidance, some translations say. Others say administration, and, and then uh, of different kinds of tongues. And it's interesting to me that these are placed after the apostle, the prophet, the teacher. Now, what happens when revival starts happening? All of a sudden, somebody has the gift of healing, all right? Every time they pray, somebody gets healed. Powerful things. Some pop, people popping out of wheelchairs, blind eyes, open. And what happens? We take that person and put him at the top of the pile or her at the top of the pile. And they're, they're being used of God. You know what? God says, I want them be, to be subject to the leader, to the teacher, and they can be used... But you know what? I'm going to use them up here in the altar when their backs turn to the audience so we don't get them a big head because of the gifting that they have. We need to be, I think we really need to be careful. I believe we're going to see powerful things in this church and in our lifetime. All right? But let's not exalt the person. Let's exalt the, the, per, the, the God who gave the gift. And I'll give one other very interesting observation, at least to me it is the gift of administration or the gift of guidance. And I've seen this in really big churches. It becomes a matter of administration, of everything's got to be lined up, perfect processes and procedures. We follow up with people. We have this and that. And you need organization in church. I'm not saying that. 
But when we elevate the administrator to the leader of the church, not too many good things are going to happen because the church is a spiritual organism. And it's led by Jesus, not an administrator. And so these are things that I think when we're small, as we're where we're at, we need to be aware of these things so that we don't fall into those pitfalls if and when God blesses us to, to be larger. And so um, I'll just read on. We're finished here. Verse 29, are, not, are, are all apostles? The answer is no. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Do all work miracles? No. Do all have the gift of healing? No. Do all speak in tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. Now desire, it's eagerly desire, the greater gifts. Let me tell you what. God has not put one gift into you. He's put many gifts into you. Many, many gifts. And as you grow in Christ, you'll see new gifts you didn't even know were in you. But as you mature, the gifts start revealing themselves. But the only reason God has given you a gift is because he has a purpose. And he's equipping you to fulfill the purpose that God has for your life. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you, God. We don't want to be church goers. We want to be church builders. Lord, and you've equipped us. You've given us tools, special tools, in some cases special weapons, but special tools, Lord, to build the kingdom of heaven. Lord, and if we just come on Sundays and sit on our tools and never put them into use, never apply them for their intended purpose, Lord God, what a waste. What a waste. There's two questions I believe will be asked when we come in front of you, Jesus, after we've passed on. Lord, you'll ask us two questions. One is, what did you do with my son, Jesus? And what did you do with the things that I gave you? Lord, you've given us things, Lord, gifts, talents to be used in building the kingdom of heaven, a purposeful, a purposeful life, Lord Jesus. And so, God, I pray that as we write down our commitments for 2020, Lord, that we would consider this, that, that we, want to, we want to be used of God. Lord, I, I want to use what you've given me. I may not have a decent inventory of everything, but I know some of the things that you've blessed me with. I want to use my failures for you. I want to use my flaws for you. I want to be used in my weakness. <laughs> Lord, I, I want to be used by you however you see fit, Lord God, because weakness causes us to trust in you. But either way, Lord, we don't, we don't want to be church goers. We want to be church builders, oh God. And so help us to be a, begin to adopt this aggressive mentality, Lord Jesus, of a Monday through Sunday type of attitude that, you know what, every day of the week, God, I want to be in tune with you. I want to be working for you. I want an audience of one, Lord. All I'm trying to do here is please you and not, not to become a superstar. Lord, I want, to, I want to be constantly focused on what you want, Jesus, to please you. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for it. Hallelujah. So we wait on you right now, Lord. Anything, Holy Spirit, you want to enlighten us with right now, God. Just open our minds, Lord. Open our minds, Lord. Open our hearts, Lord Jesus. Open our souls, Lord Jesus, to receive from you right now, Lord God. Right now, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible says that, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. Any man, any woman who opens that door, I will come into them. Praise God, and I will eat with them. Lord, and you will change their lives. Thank you, Heavenly Father. I encourage you right now to open your heart. This is not a prayer. 
mistakenly we've made this into a prayer of salvation and don't get me wrong you certainly want to pray but it's a decision you open your heart to the Lord do you want to decide to do that right now do you want to decide to open your heart to the Lord and have him come in right now hallelujah Jesus Lord for anybody who's saying yeah 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 I want to make that decision right now I want you to come into my life right now come in come in I don't care if I'm Catholic I don't care if I'm uh, you know evangelical it, it doesn't matter Lord we want you to come into our lives right now Jesus come in right now we open our hearts oh Lord God really really good good things start happening to those who let you into their lives really good things thank you Heavenly Father so we bless you we love you Lord take us and help us this week to consume the Bible Lord to enjoy the Bible to enjoy prayer talking to you listening to you Lord coming back on Wednesday or tonight Lord God to receive even more from you we thank you Heavenly Father for it in your name I pray amen amen God bless you guys